Hey, this is Lovely Creatures. He got sober before me and I was smashing my life to bits. Jason and our other friends were just having, they had a, a baby powder fight, which was appalling to me. Hey everybody, this is Drew, and beside me is Emma. How you doing, Emma? I'm good, how are you? I'm excellent, thanks. Okay, good. You're in a good mood today. I know, I am. It's been I don't a while, know. I haven't been, seen you. Well, it's been a while that I've been in a good, in a good mood. Yeah, why is that? I don't know. What do you mean you've taken a turn? Yeah, yeah, for the better. I feel, yeah, like I feel Good. like I'm kind of coming into it now. Coming into what? I see what you guys what? have been talking about with what? the whole contented sobriety thing. Like oh, I feel, okay. I feel good. Okay, I'm going the other direction. I know, I see that. Okay, what's going on? Thank you. Thanks, <laughs> what's you going know? on? Gain weight, you know, obsessing, you know, it's yeah, it's, it's been fun. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, I'm thin. So okay, good. Okay. Now that we go, now we straighten out that. Let's, I think, uh, let's I think get you to look, it. What are we you, doing today? So you remember how we had Jason here? Yeah, Jason right? was good. Yeah. Jason was good. The British guy. Yeah. I love the accent. Yeah. So he narrated a specific sequence of events. There was somebody else that he kept referencing. Remember how he was talking about Mio? Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. So we know Mio. Yeah, big part of his story. Right. So Mio has come in today. We have me- Mio we have here Mio today. He- yeah, can't you hear him outside? If you see him at the podium, he vibrates with a frenetic energy. He's very funny. He has a general sense of a disturbed, uh, irate. Um, he's easily, easily flustered and will, if you imagine a cat that's been left outside for a prolonged period of time, you let them into the house, all you want to do is love them, and yet there's going to be a f- the first hour where they try to claw your face off. Okay. That's Emma, Mio. that's enough about Mio. We got, we got Mio. Mio, how long you known Jason? I've known Jason since I was eight years old. He lived on the same side of the street, so we didn't need permission to cross the street to go to his house. Oh, the right? advantages. It was, it was a friendship of convenience right. more than anything else. However, however, when he turned 13, he was very precocious social, socially. And when he turned 13, he became a mod. You know what a mod is? Yes. And no. so uh, mods are, they were like uh, in Britain, the mods and the mods and the rockers. Anyway, they're very, they were very stylish, hip. Oh. They always wore suits. And as soon as he became a mod, he unfriended me before unfriending was a thing. Right. And uh, he unfriended me because I wasn't cool enough. We used to sit on the porch and watch all of his cool friends walk by to the party that they didn't invite us to. Oh. Yeah. And then, no, you got to let me finish. So I meet him like maybe eight or nine years later. Right. And he has purchased a bag of cocaine Mm. and he has no idea how to do it. Right. And I'm like, I think I might be able to help you with that. And I take him into a washroom uh, in in, in a bar and I chop it up like a pro and we snort it. And he looks at me and goes, you're unbelievable. You're amazing. I was like, that was the most awesome thing that he'd ever seen in his entire life. Wait a sec. So the kid that you knew at eight years old abandoned you. And then later on, you guys connected over a bag of cocaine. At the yes, bar. yes. Because you, were, like you were able to come. Sounds like a typical alcoholic tale. Well, it was an unlikely reunion, actually. I, I, that hadn't happened to me before, but yes. So did you drink or not with the guy? Yes, we drank excessively. Okay, and well, sometimes like we teens? Did... Oh, uh, as teens. No, yeah. he no, no. At 13, oh, okay. Jason took a hike. Gotcha. Right? And, and then I... Fled. Yeah. And, uh, and, but then by the time... I, I had caught up to his level of social whatever uh, uh social agency uh, by the time i was 21 or 22 and then and we we resumed our it, it was weird it was we we re, we resumed our friendship as if nothing had happened there was no resentment but this time you resumed it around a different organizing principle called 
party. Yeah, we organized Drinking. around the problem. Yeah. 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 So paint a picture of that. What'd that look like? Between you two. So every night, yeah. I would get off work, mm-hmm. I would buy a few bottles of wine, mm-hmm. I would take them over to Jason's house, mm-hmm. we would drink them. Mm-hmm. He would always drink more than me, because okay. he's, a, he's, he's a pig. Okay. Like, like he's, he's a pig, he's an animal. Yeah, yeah. And, um, and we would get completely drunk, uh, then we'd go out to a bar, drink even more, and then we would do drugs, and then we would drink more. And then you would abandon him and leave him at the bar? Sometimes. Okay, okay. And how long did that persist for? What was the relationship like? What happened? Where, where did you go from there? Um, well, it was great. I mean, we, we, he's very funny. And we spent a lot of time together. And we drank a lot. We drank all the time. And we had lots of fun. I mean, like, there's so many stories. I mean, like, he and I, I mean, he's very much a part of my story. As, as I hear, I was part of his story. Was there any time uh, in your relationship where alcohol was negative that it wasn't it sounded like it was a good time between you guys was it ever like did you guys ever look at each other going man what we're doing is crazy we shouldn't be doing this or anything like that uh, yeah i mean one night i was dancing like the merengue and uh we were at a we were at a latin bar like a latin dancing bar and i was dancing we we, we were we'd been kicked out and um i was really drunk <laughs> and uh i was dancing the merengue by myself <laughs> Totally. Yeah. <laughs> this is getting ugly. And I fell. This is the bottom, right? I fell and I landed entirely on my pinky finger. And my pinky finger ripped right out of the socket. And so then uh, Jason and I, then Jason and I and a couple of our other friends went to the to the emergency room and I I've never seen anything dangle the way my pinky dangled out of the socket. It was it was disgusting. And luckily I was drunk or I would have vomited all over the place. And we're in the the ER room, and all him, Jason, and and our other friends were just having, they had a a baby powder fight, which was appalling to me, because I'd never misbehaved in a doctor's office before. I could not believe it. So yeah, sometimes there was inappropriate behavior that I did not approve of. Those are dark days. I know your story, and things got even darker, and then you got sober. What I want to know is what was happening with your friend Jason at that time. So at the time that I got sober, Jason was doing, he started doing a bunch of geographicals back and forth between England. That means moving, hoping something will change, nothing does. Right. Uh, and, and I can't remember exactly where he was when I actually got sober. I don't think he was here. I know that at some point he would have returned and we would have, ex- we would have talked. Right. Um, but I, I very much got into AA right away. And I, I, I didn't go out at night with my friends. And I had a rule with certain people that I could only see them during the daytime. That would have definitely applied to Jason. But I, but I kept tabs on him. I knew that he was going down really fast. And I got to tell you this one story, okay? Because I don't know if you've ever had this experience. I've had this experience a few times in sobriety where have you ever had this thing where you have to have the talk with the mother? The mother of the friend? Yeah. Of the, it is, it, this is for me is the worst thing is having the talk with the mother who has exhausted all other ways of trying to help her child. She and, contacts you? Yeah. This has happened to me several times. I don't know if it's happened to you before. And at some point in the conversation... I have to tell them, you know, there's a chance that your child might die. Like, like I, I, to be completely honest with you. And so here I am saying that to Claire, who's Jason's mother. I'm like two or three years sober, and I'm telling my best friend, like my, you know, one of my best friend's mothers, that, that her, her son might die. And it was heartbreaking for her. It was heartbreaking for me. But, you know, she was describing stuff that was completely out of control. And so I, it confirmed for me what I already knew about him. Mm-hmm. And it was brutal. And I was, yeah. 
did he know where you were at that point in time? At three years sober, did he know you were sober? Did you guys ever talk about it? Was yeah, yeah, we talked. We talked about it, and I think he might even even have gone to a meeting at one point. So, Mio, you're sober, but Jason's still drinking. Let's hear what he told us about those days. My first experience with with sobriety was through Mio. Right. Um, and because uh, we drank together and he got sober before me and I was smashing my life to bits. And I came back to Toronto on a, on a, on a, to see people. And he took me to an ACA meeting and I was just like thinking, I, I thought, I think he thought that I would see something I liked. Right. And then somehow I would stay. I definitely, I definitely tried to help him. Absolutely. And I definitely took him to a meeting. I don't think it was an AA meeting, though. I think He I, said it was ACA. ACA meeting. Yes, because that's a trick I use sometimes with people who might be in denial. I take them to ACA because you can still kind of blame the rest of your family. So, guys, ACA is adult children of alcoholics. Now, they themselves are not always alcoholics, but a good way to get the alcoholic into a meeting is Mio saying, bring them in under the guise of you're here because it's your parents' alcoholism that's the problem. I don't know who you're talking to right now, but like, what you should also tell them is that the people in ACA are insane. They're crazy. They're, 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 they're like, they right. are... So they, you were a member. No, wait a second. Right. They are nuttier than alcoholics. Alcoholics have an excuse because they're drinking, right? It makes their brain mushy. ACA, it's, it's generational. It's crazy. It is nuts. Guys, the nuttiness of ACA wasn't Jason's biggest hurdle. Mio's newfound sobriety was based on something he just couldn't stomach. After that, he said to me, you know, I've got this sponsor, uh, this guy that he's my sponsor. And I'm like going, what? Like, who is this guy? You know, who like, is he qualified to see? Did he go to school to get this? Like, where did you meet him? Right. Who are you and, taking this direction from? <laughs> like, <laughs> is, is he is he? And what, what is a sponsor in your mind at that time? Like, Mio's referencing somebody who's... Well, for, for me, like, a sponsor, like, if I was going on what was going on in my head and what Mio was telling me, for me, a sponsor was just some lunatic that you just picked up at a meeting somewhere. Or like, where did you find this? Like, who is he? So Mio, so, the spon so this guy, so Mio says to me, this guy says to me, or a sponsor has told him that he can never drink again. And I was like, what the is that no one wants to hear that like no. Who, no but for me that was the most irresponsible thing anybody could ever say because alcohol was the solution to my problem right. and, totally. and right. you're telling me that that i can never do it again mm -hmm. and what are you going to replace it with this guy like who is he right. like is he jesus or like is he even a doctor who's yeah, qualified like, to say yeah, that mm -hmm. you know and how can you because i know like in the meetings i'm going to in england there pe people are saying you know you should never tell someone to stop drinking immediately Right. Because they might have an alcoholic seizure. seizure. They might be addicted to alcohol. So who is this guy? Who, right. Like, where does he get his qualification from? So, Mio, he was recounting to us a conversation you guys had that literally floored him. Because you apparently had talked to your sponsor at the time, who told you unequivocally that you had to stop drinking for the rest of your life. It's called Alcoholics Anonymous. Mm -hmm. You're not supposed to drink. Yeah, that is. What am I? What am I supposed to do? Running theme of. I. I mean, I. I. So in retrospect, I kind of screwed up. I should have just told them that I didn't need to drink one day at a time. I. Good I, start. I, have you ever had this with friends where they go, you know, I just want to have one more glass of wine with you. 
right? It's that sort of thing where they start to romanticize the former relationship. It was probably in, in the midst of one of those where I just was like, you know. Did you guys ever sit down and have one glass of wine together in your existence ever once? Well, one very big glass of wine, yeah. Like a bucket of wine. Jason is understandably perplexed at this idea, but you've got the sponsor. The sponsor has made it clear to you why this is the case. What was the sponsorship like for you on your end in the early days? I, you know, it's weird. I, I mean, yes, I've, I've had, I've had good sponsorship. So yeah, I mean, it was really important. My first sponsor was a bit of a, he was a bit of a loose cannon, um, and and uh, I don't know, like he, yeah, he totally helped me, right? And and finally, here was this person who was helping me deal with stuff that I'd never been able to deal with, and this is part of the things you come to this program and you receive all this help, and 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 I just would think of the people. I'd left behind, as it were, mm-hmm. right, who obviously were exactly like me. Jason was exactly like me. And in my mind, it's like, oh, you just have to find one of these sorts of people. So I was trying to convey certain things that had been conveyed to me, and I, but I wasn't sponsor-ready, and I certainly wasn't sponsor-ready for a friend of mine, right? So that's what happened was I was just trying to mirror to Jason what my sponsor had mirrored to me, right? I mean, and that's kind of, we kind of fake it sure, until we sure, make sure. it, but I, I guess it didn't work because I didn't say it exactly. I mean, like my, my rapport with my sponsor, he could be a little more frank with me, but with the newcomer, you can't talk to the newcomer the way the sponsor talks to somebody with two years. Jason, what was it like for you to see him stop drinking? Like, what did that feel like? Were you, were you jealous? Were you pissed off? Were you intimidated? What, what was that like? I don't know. It was awkward. Okay. Uh, I, Mio got sober and then he, I had moved to England and he came to see me. And, uh, and while he was there, he, like he was trying to stop here and uh, stay stopped. And he came and saw me and I kind of threw him into the hole again with me and and it, it didn't it wasn't a very good trip for him Mio, how was it i see jason for the first time in at least a year and it's shocking he he he's not looking great i mean he's there's a lot of him he he like basically doubled in size you know you know that point where you become really bloated from alcohol and drugs yeah, yeah. i mean he looked like he was wearing like a parachute like he he looked like he needed clothing that was tailored like he was so big and he looked so unhealthy and I was just I was so heartbroken like I I just I couldn't believe it my life was terrible and and I didn't want to live the life I was living but I didn't know how to stop living that life and he was attempting to do that but part of the reason that I left Toronto was because I knew that I would have to stop drinking Mm -hmm. and England's a great place to stop drinking yeah. <laughs> you pick. When I arrived in England, you would say to people, like, people would say, w- when you say, like, I don't drink, they go, they just stare at you mm-hmm. silently and blankly. Right. And it, so it sounds like it's a bit of a, it's a bit of that, that, that shitty, shitty middle ground where what you're doing is not working. You're clearly looking for something else. Yet every other potential opportunity is extremely underwhelming. Like you have this friend that you used to drink with. He's got something, but you're not loving the appearance of what he's doing. The sponsor makes no fucking sense. You're not thrilled with the no drinking idea. You got to leave the location he's in because the whole thing's a little unnerving. So how long did you stay in that? Like, did you stay dry 
dry means like you're you're not drinking but <clears throat> you're fucking miserable how long did you stay in that place before you found traction with something that was actually working jason so this is what happened jason was working in a restaurant jason was working in a restaurant he'd become a, quite a successful chef but he kept drinking and doing blow and Which he, you showed him out of Jason and he in J- no in in London he got thrown down a set of stairs and basically he got sober. That's that's the story. That's upon the, impact. That's the, no. He he ended up going to a meeting, realizing that that was it. He got sober. Okay. The thing is, Jason told us that he had to learn the hard way. There was more to sobriety than just not drinking. Uh, I was dry for like uh, on my. I'll give you for five years in AA. So I was, um, and it's not, not for not trying. I just could not find anybody to take me through the steps in where I was. Really, eh? Yeah. And I had a lot of sponsors and, uh, and none of them had, you know, some of them were nice guys. A couple weren't. Um, and they had a life that was more attractive than mine because mine right. was just crazy. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I couldn't find anybody. And on my fifth, I always had this thing when, I, I was drinking. I would start out on a new road, but always end up at the same destination. You know, how did I get here? This was not the intended destination, mm-hmm. but here I am again. And I did that in AA. And at five years sober, I was on my way to my home group, which I was a big book study, which I was the secretary of. And uh, I was the intergroup treasurer and uh, the region archivist. So I was basically, for all intents and purposes, Mr. AA. And I got arrested. And not like in, like, hey, we're arrested. You know, like, right. you've done, so- you know, like, like, you know, you threw an apple, at whatever or something. Right. I got arrested in a sting operation. <laughs> okay. And so I was in, in, in England at that time. They will put you on a lot of benefits. So I like state assistance. So I'd fallen into this because I was the perfect poster boy. Right. For the local authority. I had uh, um, I had been given all this stuff and I had become accustomed to that stuff. Had also because I was suffering from severe untreated alcoholism, right. I thought that with I, I needed it, so I would use it e- even when I wasn't allowed to use it. So I was using this this state bus pass, but knowing it was wrong, so I had the regular bus pass. So I had the two. So I'm on my way to my home group, and I press the pass to to get out, and it doesn't work. And then I get my other pass out, and I remember I hadn't put any money on it, so I couldn't use that. And all of a sudden, there was a hand on my shoulder saying, uh, Mr. So-and-so, are you Mr. So-and-so? And I said, I am. And I was just like, shit, man. Mm-hmm. Shit. So five years sober, you get busted in this sting operation for squandering public fraud. funds. Basically fraud. Basically fraud. Okay, great. Yeah. And five years sober, five years five years, dry. Five years dry without drinking. Yeah. yeah. In so, AA. In AA, doing all the right things, quote unquote, except the steps. The steps. Okay, tell us, how, tell us how you came to that. So I... Uh, I uh, I go to my the, my, the group, I'm, I'm shitting myself, you know, I, like I'm five years sober, I'm going to get a criminal record, All it's just, how did I get here? And I phone up the guy that I've been using as my quote-unquote sponsor, and I said, what do I do? And he said, try not to give yourself a hard time. And uh, I said, you know what, I just don't know how to do that. Okay. I've never lived a life that enables me to not give myself a hard time, to even actually like myself. Okay. And... Uh, so I went home and I listened to a tape, uh, a speaker called Joe H. 
And, right. Uh, so that's like somebody that was recorded at a yeah. conference like the one we're at now. And uh, he mentioned the words uh, Big Book Awakening. I had a Big Book Awakening. And I was like, well, that sounds interesting. So I type it into Google and, and it comes up. It was a step guide. And I ordered it and it arrived and I got a bit of elation thinking that, you know, this was going to be the thing. So I started to go through it. Didn't make any sense to me whatsoever because okay. AA just didn't make sense to me. I was going and doing the stuff that people were telling me to do and it just wasn't working. Right. And uh, and I and, and I understand today because psychologically or spiritually I was exactly the same mm -hmm. right there had been no change and like we were saying earlier AA doesn't talk about you know quitting drinking it talks about a way of living yeah. mm -hmm. and I had no idea how to live so I get this thing I start it doesn't make any sense to me and I emailed the guy that wrote it and he told me to call him uh, this guy called Dan Sherman and I called him and we had a and I, he took me through an inventory with my downstairs neighbors, and it was I, my eyes were opened for the first wow. time. Mio, you can relate to that, right? I had, I had just gone through that myself because my third sponsor, Robert, completely changed my life. Every week, we would read seven pages out of the big book, which is the, the book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We would read seven pages. I would go to Robert's house, and we'd go through that. And, and what Robert did for me was unbelievable. And, I, and my observation is that Dan did something similar for Jason. Right. And, you know, it's funny because I've never really even thought about it like that. But we had very parallel experiences mm -hmm. at around the same level of sobriety where we did have that second, more transformational, more permanently transformational uh, experience with a sponsor. You've been sober for a while now. Jason's been sober for a while now. What's the relationship? Uh, it's unbelievable. I'm, I'm actually going to Portugal. Uh, J Jason is getting married, finally. He's getting married to a lovely woman, and I'm going to be his best man. So you're going to his wedding. Do you guys do you guys talk often? I mean, is is the program a big part of your relationship now, or is it just like we're old friends and it's one one of the things? You know what? I think at this point, so Jason's pretty hardcore with the program. He gets pretty fundamental, and and I think part of it is because in London he kind of has to it's do that soft. to keep his own program. Do you know what I mean? Because apparently it's very loosey, it's a bit loosey-goosey over there, a bit freestyle-y. So sometimes when he's talking about his program, I'm like, dude, you should probably chill out a little bit. <laughs> you know what I mean? But whatever, I respect him immensely. I would, you know, he, he works a better program than I do, you know, but I'm just a little more relaxed, you know? You know what? What? I'd like to thank you, Neil. I wish for everybody that their best friend gets sober as well. It, it, it is the most rewarding thing in my entire sobriety. Mm -hmm. Thank you. You're welcome. So, guys, we don't speak for Alcoholics Anonymous. We're just a few members trying to stay sober and maybe help someone else along the way. So we would like to thank the people who put this podcast together. Joshua, Tim, Mio, Drew, and I'm Emma. Original music in this podcast was created by Jeffrey Moon. Jeff, you're the best. 